Hey there. It's another episode of Film Streak. My name is Rob, and every episode here, you know what it is, you know what happens. I talk about some new movies I've watched. Previous episode, I talked about a lot of David Lynch films. I say a lot, it was only three, but I kind of went through my background with David Lynch and the types of films he makes and the types of stories he tells and how that is sometimes fascinating, sometimes frustrating. But uh, I do want to do more of that in the future. So I've got a couple of other films of his that I'll uh, I'll be taking a look at in a future episode. This episode, what I wanted to do was look at some more recent releases and just uh, catch up with some stuff, you know? So, look, if you want to hear some other episodes, if you want to subscribe, you can go to filmstreak.com. And maybe you're listening to this there. Which, hey, good for you. You're already there. Just take a look around see what else is there. I've been doing uh, episodes now for uh, almost a year and a half. Um, So we're up to, what, episode 52, I think this is. So, yeah, it's a lot of films I've been watching. Over 250 now. And I've been thinking a little bit in terms of uh, how far this is going to go. You know, I... I didn't really set a goal in mind of like, I got to watch a certain amount of films, a certain amount of episodes I want to do. No, it just kind of left it open-ended. And I took a look at my watch list that I'm keeping track of on IMDb, where you can also find a list of all the films I've talked about here. It seems like every week or so, I'm adding another film to it. Whenever like a new trailer drops, whenever I read an article about some new film with a particular filmmaker or actors or or whatever, I added to my watch list. So, um, looking at the count on that thing, oh man, I'm up to like almost 1,300 films now that I want to watch. I don't know if that's the goal is to just clean that list out. Uh, I do try to work on that every so often. Some of these films that I talk about here, they're just whatever is of the moment, whatever maybe I didn't even particularly want to see. But most of those films are films that I intentionally put down that I got to watch someday. There are plenty of other films that I probably should watch. You know, those, those like whatever those lists are of like films you need to watch before you die and all that. So those are out there, too. So it's kind of made me think, like, where where does this all go? Like, where does Film Street how far does this go? And for now, I I don't know. I'll just kind of keep it going as long as I can. And as long as I'm interested in watching movies like this, because, um, uh, I, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to watch the films and I'm going to think about them and, and roll them around in my mind and try and figure out what's good about them or what I like about them. So I might as well just make it something that I can share with you. And maybe that'll, give you an interest in watching the film or not. But, uh, hey, that's what I'm doing. That's Film Streak, okay? I'm not a film reviewer or critic or whatever. I get real, um, I've done a little bit of that in the past. I don't know. I get nervous when that kind of word comes up. Only because I don't intentionally look at films to, to pick them apart and, like, actually criticize them. But I'm trying to understand them. I'm trying to really get down to what the filmmakers, what the writers, the the directors, 
even their actors, like what they were trying to do and did they succeed? And it's not because I'm just poking at their art, at their creation. I'm trying to learn from myself. I have done some short film work. I uh, do a lot of video work. So this is a way to help me understand techniques, understand uh, certain ways of thinking, but also just understand the creative process behind this stuff. So I hope that's clear. I don't know. Sometimes I really come down as just some, you know, snarky, shitty blogger that just wants to tear things apart. Ah, sometimes films are just not great. I just want to watch some films and try and enjoy them. And if I don't enjoy them, understand maybe why I didn't enjoy them. Sometimes that's a very personal, subjective point of view thing. It's not really because of the work itself. Maybe I'm not in the right frame of mind. Maybe I'm not in the right point in life. And I've seen that with some films I've watched in the past that, oh, I didn't understand this back then. And watching it later, now I get it. I'm sure that happens to all of us. So every once in a while, that's why I'll do a thing where I'll look at some films that I've seen before, but maybe looking at them with fresh eyes. So anyway, uh, that's a little bit of rambling about where kind of the state of things is, because I just recently hit episode 50 and I thought, oh, wait a minute, what, where am I going? So anyway, let's get on to this episode. All right, here we go. Film Streak 253, Cocaine Bear. Medic! Oh, Jesus. What is that? Beth, we should go. Millions of dollars worth of cocaine fell from the sky this morning in Knoxville, Tennessee. There's more of this out there. They dumped it somewhere. I'm looking for my daughter. Forest is a dangerous place. Hey, Henry. Check it out. Something got into it. A deer, maybe. A lot of cocaine was lost. I need you to go and get it. No, 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 no. Don't eat that. Don't eat that. Let's see what kind of effect that has on The bear, it fucking did cocaine. A bear did cocaine. There was a bear. A bear? It was far. Hey, that's inappropriate. You're safe. Bears can't climb trees. Of course I can. It kind of seems like the thing that stays with a man forever. Apex Predator. High on cocaine. Out of his mind. Oh man, you fucked. What the fuck is wrong with that bear? We have such good luck in nature. 
Now, this is a recent film directed by Elizabeth Banks, who I, I of course, know her from all the, the comedies and the, the movie roles she's been in. This film, on the other hand, uh, I don't really know where to put this film. And maybe that's the idea, is I feel like even the title, when the when it was announced that this was a film that was coming out, uh, the title was one of those, like, how basic can we make it? Because it's kind of hard to uh, classify this thing and market this thing. So we'll just call it whatever the main focus of the film is and then let it be that. It's kind of like when uh, I talked about all the films where it's the thing, right? The one word. And I feel like that's sometimes a, a little bit of a, a cheat or, or maybe just a shortcut of we don't really know what to call this film. So we're just going to call it the something. This kind of feels like that. And watching the film, I can tell you, it it feels like a, a, a mishmash of ideas. And even like the cast, like I'm looking at the cast in the film. You've got Carrie Russell, Alden Ehrenreich, O'Shea Jackson Jr., uh, who else is in it? Ray Liotta's in this. The point being that aside from maybe Ray Liotta, who's kind of plain in type, like we've seen him kind of do this character in the past, everybody else here is really playing some very strange uh, variations on characters, and they don't always all seem to fit. Here's the thing. I had a fun experience watching this film because as I was watching, as the plot develops and all this, I started looking at the actors and I realized, wait a minute, you could almost do like musical chairs here and switch some of these characters around with some of the performers and you might have maybe an even better film. I don't know. I, I, it just was like a, uh, for my own self-amusement at some point, because the film really, the plot is, hey, there's a bear in the woods in the national forest somewhere. Uh, I forget where. And it digs into uh, just a brick of a smuggled load of cocaine that was dropped into this park by some uh, out-of-his-mind smuggler in an airplane. Okay. That's the beginning of the film. The plane is found, the smuggler is found dead, but the bear out in the woods somewhere finds the load and gets into it, right? So, okay, who are the people who wander into this situation not knowing that there's a bear that's high on cocaine that's just uh, running loose in the woods? Part of me thinks, well, that, That could be an interesting premise for, let's say, a horror movie or a thriller. And that's kind of what happens here. But, of course, it's so ridiculous that it's a bear on drugs that it has to lean into comedy. It has to go that way. It can't be just totally 100% serious. That would be so ridiculous on its face. I think you couldn't get that. You couldn't make that work for an audience. The audience would be really laughing under their breath the whole time. I know I would, because I feel like I've seen movies like this where I wonder, how is this bear so crazy? I, hey, look, a, a film that I actually liked that I saw in a previous episode way early on now, uh, The Edge, with Anthony Hopkins and um, Alec Baldwin. That was about them essentially trying to survive in like Alaska or wherever, uh, fighting against 
a bear that's always seemed to be on their trail. And I feel like this movie takes a couple of little pokes at that, of the premise. But here we're really leaning into like, oh, this is just ridiculous. Even to the point where some of the bear attacks and the <laughs> the brutal violence of, of so much of this, it's almost played for laughs. I mean, it is played for laughs, but it's, I don't know. I, I think... I think it's a really fine line to walk, and this film does it in some points and then doesn't in others. There's some of the film that just seems to have a meanness to it, you know? And I get that some of these characters aren't good people, and of course a bear is just a wild animal. It's not. It doesn't know mean from nice and none of that. It just does what it does. But there is kind of a, a it, it's like a tonal thing. It's like, we're laughing at someone getting maimed. Sure, the, the, the situation might be silly or ridiculous, but still, it's like, where do we kind of draw the line? And for me, I don't know. Maybe when I was younger, I would have seen a lot more humor in it. I would have found it more funny or more amusing. But there's a part of me now, maybe, that is really, I don't know, a little more sensitive to that. You know, when you kind of go through real shit, you, you see like, oh, sometimes death and murder and all that isn't exactly as funny as it used to be. I, whatever. I, it's a personal thing, like I said earlier, right? So I think the, the problem, though, with this film is not even that. Hey, this film does have some pretty interesting, some pretty great music selections, by the way, um, just because, I don't know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and this seems to pull a lot from there, so... I'll give it that. But it doesn't really say much. It doesn't have any big thematic uh, elements that it's trying to to get uh, across to the audience. So that's where I think um, it's a real weakness because this is kind of a one and done thing. And if the title and the premise alone don't interest you, well, there you go. That's it. So take that for what it is. Um, I saw that on Peacock. Uh, I know it did come out in theaters, but it seemed like it really moved pretty fast to streaming. So maybe that's also another indicator. Oh, well, sorry, Bear. Go get your drug some other place. All right, so here we go. Up next, Film Streak 254, Magic Mike's Last Dance. What did you want before Miami? I just wanted to escape my life. I need you. Do you like bartending? It's not really what I do. What is it that you really do? But then you came along and gave me this unexpected, magical moment. That made me remember who I really was. Come with me to London. Let's go. Why are you in London? I'm going to put on a show at this famous theater. People are numb, disconnected. We're going to wake them up. With a wave of passion they've never felt before. Hell yeah. Without further ado, I give you the visionary artist Magic Mind. 
So. The real question is, why do you love her? No one's believed in me like your mom has. So what's this show about? It's the same old, will she marry for love or money? So what does she pick, love or money? The real question is, why does she feel like she has to choose? It sounds to me she just needs to let go. And some good. Maybe that as well. You're not shutting me down. Not this time. You're so good at this. You're not going to just let us give up on it. I want every woman that walks into this theater to feel that a woman can have whatever she wants, whenever she wants. You were a cop, right? Is your arrest What's your name? Kim. Let you off with a warning, right? So, okay, um, I got to say a couple things right off the top. I remember seeing the first Magic Mike, and it was one of those films that, for me, it was a matter of I wanted to see Steven Soderbergh's take on this kind of subject matter. You know, the the male dancer, stripper, whatever. Um, but also Channing Tatum. I like Channing Tatum. I like his movies that he's in, the, the types of characters that he plays. And, you know, maybe it's because I'm just not a distinguished lady that I didn't really come away that entertained by the first film. I like some aspects of it. I like some of the filmmaking of it. The Even the dance numbers. Look, I, I'm into it. It's cool. But... It just didn't really, uh, it didn't dazzle me, okay? And um, I never saw the second film. And I don't know that I really have an interest in it because the first wasn't all that compelling to me. But here we get to this, Magic Mike's Last Dance, which it wasn't necessarily on my list. It It wasn't on my list. But it's one of those where I saw it because someone else wanted to see it. Hey, it happens like that sometimes. And those movies go into the film streak, right? Those are going to count. So uh, I watched it. I I was at least pleased that Soderbergh was back to do this. I really thought, oh, he's going to just hand this whole franchise. I don't know if he did the second one or not. I could look it up, but I don't want to. I figured he just handed this franchise off to someone else to kind of follow whatever he did in the first film. But he did direct this, and I can see the touches of his style and his uh, type of storytelling, even the the characters. I can see that all in this film. You know, there's even a sequence in here where it turns into a little bit Ocean's Eleven-y, you know, where all the guys, they're they're trying to, what is it, like a, like a, a, a health inspector, a safety inspector or whatever. They're trying to get her approval for the, the theater, the dance club, whatever it is. They're tracking her and they're trying to put a little bit of a, a scheme together to sway her, her, what her vote, her rating, whatever it is. You know, that's the thing. I like the setting. Like we switched from, I think the first one was in Miami or Florida or whatever. And now this film takes the whole thing to London 
which is cool. I like the change in scenery and that particular city is, is interesting to me. So I was down, I was down to watch it and see what the approach was. And even dealing with the, the different culture. And you see that, that I, I give you that. That was a highlight for me is kind of watching Mike, uh, not necessarily Channing Tatum, but Mike, the character clash a little bit, but also try to get acquainted with the, culture there. So that was interesting. But ultimately, I don't know, this film, again, it doesn't really say a lot. Like, I don't know, I don't know what it's trying to convey to me. That, hey, you had a big shot at something, and you missed your shot, or it didn't work out. There's always another shot. I I mean, I guess there's second chances. But I feel like we know that. And I don't think this really hit it on the head either. So I just came away not feeling very energized by the whole thing. I I don't know. Maybe you'd have to ask a woman her opinion of it, uh, who's into this kind of thing. Like, did that even do anything for you? Did that even float your boat? Because I just feel like it it didn't. I it didn't it didn't have the material there to really rock anybody's world. It felt very lightweight, you know. But. I don't know. That's from my eyes. That's from my point of view. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just totally missing that. I'll just say, I mean, if I have to kind of watch this and try and understand it, um, and maybe the subject matter is a little sus, you know, that I'm watching Magic Mike, uh, whatever. Okay. But that means I could watch P-Valley, right? Because same thing. I'm just trying to understand it, trying to get into these characters. I would say maybe skip this one. I mean, especially if this is if subject matter, really not even up your alley, like it's just pass, right? But if you're coming to it for even just the filmmaker or the filmmaking, it's it's not really it's not really there. Like honestly, it's one of those things where I wish Soderbergh would have taken this time to work on a more meaningful project. I mean, like some of his other films in the past that are really impactful and really have something to say. I just don't feel like this was it. But I, everybody's allowed. You do what you want, right? So, anyway, we keep it moving. Now, here we are. Film Streak 255, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. I used to ask myself a lot of questions. Scott, you're at X-Con. How are you an Avenger? That doesn't make sense. But everywhere I go, people tell me the same thing. Thank you, Spider-Man. People still need help, Dad. That's why we made this. It's like a satellite for deep space, but quanta. Wait, wait a minute. You're sending a signal down to the quantum realm. Turn it off. Now!
secret universe beneath ours. What are you so afraid of? There's something I never told you. This place. It isn't what you think. you home and give you more time if you help me so what's it gonna be So, look, um, this is a film that I wanted to see mostly because I was interested in the, I guess, official or the bigger introduction to Kang. And right away, I realized how much of a nerd I sound like. Because who's Kang? What is Kang? Well, all right. If you don't follow these Marvel movies, I, this is not the one for you. This is not the introduction. This is not the uh, starting point. This is not, there's no corner in this film that's going to make it easy for you to understand what the hell is going on with Marvel. Nope. Sorry. And strangely enough, I feel like the first Ant-Man was one of those entry points for some people. Only because it's not the character, it's not even the whole premise of it, but Paul Rudd, he's a guy that came to Marvel, this whole thing, from the world of comedies and just really a different lane of films. And I'm sure he brought people with him to this. I think that was the whole idea. And the first movie is kind of lightweight for a Marvel film. It doesn't really do a lot of big stuff. It's a small story. It's about the one character dealing with a pretty small problem in comparison to everything else that's going on. But it at least brought people to the game. Now, this film is almost the exact opposite. Like Paul Rudd is the thing that stands out in this film as being the only normal thing. Because everything else here is so out of this world. And I just think that whole shift, like, I mean, look, the characters that are in this film that were in the previous are Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly um, as Hope. And then I, I still kind of can't get over it. Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer are in Marvel movies now, right? So those four characters are are returning from the previous film. Nobody else. None of the homies, the 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 crew that he had set up the, you know, first they were the thieves, the kind of gang that he rolled with, whatever, but then they set up the security company in the second film and all that. Here nowhere to be found. Because this film doesn't even take place on uh, on earth, on in this world. I don't know. It's like in some other whole place. And I think that's where that's where this Marvel stuff all starts to go kind of, uh, 
I don't want to say off the rails, but it really gets real fuzzy of like, where are we? When are we? I don't even know now. So it's hard for me to really connect. And it's hard for me to eventually to even care. With all that said, I mean, there's certainly a lot of interesting, imaginative work being done in terms of building this, whatever this quantum world, quantum realm, building that all out and showing that to us and explaining it to us and the other characters that are there. But it's so different. It's so removed from a lot of a lot of what's going on in, in the real world and, and a lot of what Marvel built on. If you think of the first Iron Man, you think of the first Captain America, you know, those early films in the Marvel thing, they all built on some, some piece of the real world that we could all connect to in some way. And here, I mean, literally like the very beginning of the film and the very end of the film, that is it. Otherwise we're in some other place, some other world. And if you can't rock with that, you're going to have a real hard time with this film. And the fact that it is still at least about the character, it is still about Ant-Man and him trying to look after his daughter and trying to do the right thing, sometimes still tempted to do the wrong thing. You know, that, that was the whole premise early on is that he was a criminal, he was a thief, and he was trying to like get get himself straight, you know, trying to be a good guy. And I think we've really leaned into him now being the good guy. But maybe sometimes out of necessity, still needing to do the wrong thing or the thing that doesn't necessarily make the most sense, I guess. So I, I feel like that's at least what the film is trying to say, but we're going so far around the world to get to that. By throwing all this other stuff into the mix, um, that starts to get lost, you know? And really here, what I think is this film is mostly a bridge film. You know, this is one that's, that's getting us from Loki and the end of Loki where we meet, um, oh, see, I like Jonathan Majors as a performer. I don't, I can't remember the name of the character now. Uh... He who doesn't remain or he who shall not be named or whatever it is. The guy with no actual name that's in Loki. That is not really Kang, but it's a version of Kang, I guess. Here we get the first like uh, official look at Kang and we see the character and he has to, he's the villain of the film. But we're really not seeing his big plan. We're seeing him stuck trying to get out of this place, this whatever it is, so he can do his big plan. Okay. And I feel like that film is coming. I mean, I think it's already been announced and whatever. This just feels like, oh, this is to get us from one point to the next. This is to kind of fill in a little bit of a gap because we can't go from Loki to then, oh, this guy is tearing up everything. There's got to be a little bit of a, a softer introduction to what is going on here. So this is that film, I think. That's the way it seems to me, watching it afterwards and kind of knowing what came before and what's coming after. Um, if I were to watch this totally clean, like I hadn't seen anything before, that, I don't know, this is just another guy in a purple suit that just wants to do stuff. And so without the context, 
I don't know. I, I just don't think this was a very strong one. Now, maybe once you see them all together, once you see the whole story play out, and you can watch all these films back to back to back, maybe it will line up and make more sense and be a little more engaging. But here, it's just really a throwaway, it feels like. And it's it's a shame because um, these Marvel films, they started out as such a great uh, idea and a great franchise, really. But here, the last couple of years, it's like all the wind has come out of their sails. I mean, other than the Spider-Man movie, whatever the last uh, No Way Home, right? Uh, a lot of these other films, they just haven't been doing it. I mean, there was a whole wave there where I I forgot I saw some of these films, like Shang-Chi and uh, The Eternals, and um, it was Black, Black Widow. And there was something else in there, I thought, where I was just like, wait, what happened to those characters? What Was that even going anywhere? Were those bridge films and we just never got to the other end of that bridge? I feel like that's probably what happened. Now, maybe that's still coming. Maybe that's later on down the road. But it's just, it's such a strange dynamic now with these films. It's like, it used to be that early wave is like every film was another, just another hit. And it was better than the one before it. And now it's like they're, they're so hit or miss. And it's to the point where me personally, as just an audience member, I could probably skip this. And I did skip this one. Like, I didn't see it in the theaters. I saw it when it just now, recently here, came out on Disney+. Plus. So that's, that's kind of the level I'm at. I'm like, I could give or take now. It used to be, I got to be there. I got to see what's going on. And I'm trying to follow. I'm trying to stick with everything. And that's also, I'm sure, a challenge for a lot of people is, oh, man, I missed like two movies. So I don't know what the hell is going on now. That happens. And I think this is one of those now that if you miss this film, you may or may not understand what's coming in a future film. And that may mean you come back and watch this, but I don't know. It may be too late by then. So, look, if you're into the Marvel stuff, I guess this is one you have to see to kind of be complete about it, to really understand each detail of things. If you just like these just as sort of entertainment sometimes... This is not one. Just don't worry about it. It's cool. And that lands us Film Streak 256, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I'm going to tell you something. I'm Star-Lord. I formed the Guardians. Met a girl. Fell in love. That girl died. But then she came back. Came back a total dick. Oh, please. He left out some important information, but that is the gist of it. My sacred mission is to create the perfect society. He didn't want to make things perfect. Just hated things the way they are.
to fight beside my friends. Incinerate them. searching for a family until we found each other are you ready for one last ride we'll all fly away together into the forever and beautiful sky you were in love with? It sounds more like her. Her? Do not bring me into this. <laughs> Knock it off! What? Just never noticed how black your eyes were. They were replaced by my father as a method of torture. He, he picked a pretty set. All right, now look, here's the film that, like I just said a while ago, these films are so hit and miss at this point. And so here we see Marvel coming back, right? Coming back to what really worked with the first two films and that other era, let's say, of Marvel where these films focused on character and the plots, of course, were crazy and wild and all over the place and bigger than life. But when we had characters that we could really connect to and uh, root for against all odds, it still seemed to work. And so... I. I feel like this is probably the most uh, Guardians-ish of all of the films, of the three films that came out. Uh, even the Christmas special thing, right? Like, this one is really like the... It leans hard into... This is some real other world shit. Like, you don't see this in any story that takes place on Earth. I mean, you've got... The, the story essentially is built around Rocket and his background his uh, origin let's say so um we're seeing a lot of weird experimental uh really unique characters and of course all of that has to do with like animals and was this like testing and genetic modifications and whatever the the cybernetic enhancements and all this kind of you know mumbo jumbo right there's a point in the film where I stopped and I realized, wait a minute, I'm watching a talking raccoon talk to a talking walrus, a talking rabbit, a talking uh, otter, seal, whatever it is. And these characters all have personalities and they all have names and they all have dreams. And I was like, wait, what, what is this? <laughs> That's where it is now. And the thing is, it's like, uh, if you're in, you're in. If you understand the the stakes, the emotional weight of the scenes and, and the, the things that these characters are dealing with, you're in. But man, you take like one step back and you're like, I, this is ridiculous now. So this is the one that I feel like is even more than the first film, which when the first film hit, I mean, you got to remember, like that was a thing where Marvel hadn't gone into this territory yet. You know, we had pretty much seen just stories taking place on Earth, right? 
And so there's always a connection for an audience member to say like, okay, I kind of understand that or I kind of relate to that or whatever. And the first Guardians movie was really like, Earth? What? We're in Earth for like 10 minutes at the beginning of the film and then we're out. We're off into space doing some other weird stuff. Well, this film, there's a whole alternate Earth, counter-Earth, which is a planet, a civilization designed, built in the model of, what, 1980s America? But the characters are not human, necessarily, and yet it, it still feels sort of relatable, like something familiar, but it is something totally different still. And when that's all explained and you understand like all this about uh, uh, the high evolutionary, which... Like I, it's another one like Kang. I'm like, I don't know. You just know the guy in a purple suit. I need a little more depth in these villains. The performances are great. I like the actors that are playing them. I like the, the tone and the, uh, I like the attitude they kind of bring to the characters. Cause it's not totally like twirling mustaches. It's not totally cartoonish, but as a character, like, how are you just a man? How are you just a man that did this and rose to this level and figured out this stuff? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. At least with Thanos, I guess, there was like, he's not a man. He's from some other world. That's why he's purple. And he's like eight feet tall. Here, it's like, these villains look, they just look like another guy. So what's the deal there? And I think that's where I, I kind of, come up short and like understanding the goal of the film. But in terms of our main characters, our heroes, let's say um, here, we've got every character going through some big change. And I, I at least commend the film for that is trying to do something big to uh, really like to finish this story. Now, like it's clear by the end of the film, guardians of the galaxy won't be the same anymore. And there's even a point where it's mentioned like, Oh, so there is no more guardians of the galaxy. Uh, not really, not quite, right? But we see uh, Peter, Peter Quill, he kind of goes off to do a different thing. Drax finds a whole new uh, a whole new point in life. Uh, Nebula's kind of got some change. She's going through some growth, right? Mantis has some new things she needs to figure out. Gamora's learning some new stuff, even though it's not the same Gamora, but, you know, coming around a little bit. And um, and Rocket, of course, turns the biggest corner in terms of uh, he's not just thinking about himself anymore. And he's thinking about his past and he's thinking about others now. And so every character really kind of goes through a big change, kind of completes their arc for across all three films. And I, what else can you ask for? I mean, that's important to any story is where are these characters going? What are what is happening with them and what is that saying to me, right? So I feel like this was successful in that level. And so look, whether it's something that people are going to stick with because now the Guardians are going to be different or how does this even relate to the bigger stories that are part of the Marvel thing, I don't know. And maybe it doesn't even matter. Maybe this is really a send-off and we're going to move on to the next thing after this. If you're a fan and you understand all that, you understand the the 
complexities of all these plot lines and these characters and or even if you understand like the comics that's totally outside of my wheelhouse and maybe you already know where this is going and good for you and maybe that will happen maybe we'll get more depth or more this thing will have more legs i guess but i'm fine with like this being the end and like i don't need to see another guardians movie now that's cool like i was good with how they ended things with Iron Man and Captain America and all those, that, that team of characters. So this is a recommendation for me only because I feel like, um, it does work on that level. You know, it has some bigger, deeper thematic things that it's trying to tell me and they come across and they work. And so, you know, I could nitpick it. I could say, well, you know, some of the songs, these films really kind of, revive that whole movie soundtrack thing with the first two film or especially with the first film but this one some of the songs they worked some of the songs didn't i personally just really don't like no sleep till brooklyn and the fact that that plays throughout an entire prolonged action sequence uh man that wasn't the song like that that just I could deal with Beastie Boys. I could hang with that. But that song in particular, it just didn't really didn't really work for me. And that happens a couple of times in the movie where I'm just like, oh, man, this would have been better with a different song. But that's minor. You know, that's not that's not the worst. But otherwise, I'd say this is a this is a recommendation. Check this one out, especially if you're into the franchise, which at this point you probably have already seen it. If you're still on the fence a little bit, kind of like what I was talking about with Ant-Man, this is one to lean towards, okay? The other one, steer clear. But check this one out. All right, last one for this episode, Film Streak 257, Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. We're thieves, but we help the wrong person steal the wrong thing and unleash the greatest evil the world has ever known. The Red Wizards created an army of the undead. Sounds lovely. Quite the opposite. I know I was being ironic. I find irony is a blade that cuts he who wields it most especially. You're not a lot of fun, are you? How are we going to pull this off? We're going to need a team. You need cool air. Follow me to the orifice. The orifice? I'll go last. Let's go! I don't mind that. He missed. No, that's not good. Aren't you sick of failing? We can die. There's worse things than dying. I lost everything that ever mattered to me. And if we quit now, that's for nothing. I don't want to see you die, which is why I'm going to leave the room. This ends now. Bridge is protected by an ancient trap. We must not trigger the mechanism. 
I may have triggered the mechanism. So, sorry. My only understanding of Dungeons and Dragons on film is the film that came out in like what the early mid 2000s whatever it was and i remember watching that and thinking oh this will be interesting and then coming out of it and thinking oh what did i watch <laughs> now this is uh this is definitely a much more entertaining film I i'll give a lot of that to the writing but also a big part of that i'm sure is on the cast You've got Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Hugh Grant. Um, you've got a lot of people in this film that really, I feel like, get the tone of the, of the writing, the, the dialogue, the, the banter of it. That really sells this film. One, because if you come into this and you have no familiarity with Dungeons and Dragons or the, the, the games or the magic or any of that, right? This at least gives you a different way of looking at this story in terms of, oh, this is just a fun adventure. And with these characters that they entertain me, they make me laugh. They make me look at things a certain way. Now, if you are familiar with all that, if you understand uh, deeply the games and, and, and um, I guess all of the lore and everything that goes with that, I couldn't tell you if these films are really accurate to that. I I don't know. It seems like they are. It seems like they're pulling things out of like I've never heard of. And I'm like, okay, maybe that's an element from the game or like a foundational kind of thing that, oh, because rules work this way because of this or because of that. And if you're familiar with the games, well, hopefully that makes it even deeper for you, right? Like that makes the experience even more uh, entertaining and engaging because it's not only like you're watching these characters go through the situation and the way they approach it. But it's also done really well. Like the, the visual effects, the stunts, the action, the, so much of it is really done really well, I think. And it was way more than I was expecting. I mean, I thought, oh, this is going to be a story about this adventure and there's going to be some magic in it. But maybe not a lot. But a lot of this film really hangs on that. So it's really crucial. It's really fundamental to making this story work is having the elements of magic in there. And that's what I mean. Like there's a lot of it in the film and it's done really well. It's executed well. So I'll give it that. And, you know, if there's any kind of knock against it, anything is that I don't really know if the film really had a lot to say though. And I Tried to give it a little bit of leeway there, but it it's kind of a thing of like you know the the main character is Edgen. He's a thief. He's on the run. He's trying to do a thing, steal a thing, to get his daughter back from a different guy, Forge, played by Hugh Grant. And then it's like Holga is his teammate, partner, sidekick. I don't know, whatever. Um, she's actually more badass than he is. And yeah, look, hey, props to Michelle Rodriguez for doing something besides another movie with cars. I wish I would see her in more films that aren't just Fast and the Furious. Like even when she did that film Widows a while back, 
Like that was, I thought, a really different and, and a strong role in a, in a really good movie. And I would just like to see more of that. So props to her for being a total badass again, but in a whole new way and not being Letty again, you know? So, but anyway, there's Edgen, there's Holga, there's all these characters. They're doing things, they're stealing things, they're using magic for things. I don't, I don't really know. It, it, at some point, it kind of becomes a little bit irrelevant because you're just watching it. You're just watching it all play out, and it's just kind of fun to just see that. So, there's a lot of magic talk. There's a lot of. Uh, I'm assuming that would be good for the gamers, the people who follow the games and the world and the rules and all that. Otherwise, I don't know. It's kind of lightweight, though. So take that for what you will. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's not. But it's at least enjoyable. You know, I could sit and watch it and have fun with it. And maybe it's a little bit of a... Um, uh, it's just something you throw on or you catch it halfway. And you're like, okay, I can watch the rest of this. Just because it's fun. And there's not really something deep that I got to sit and listen to every single plot point and every development. Just go with the ride, you know? So I guess in that respect, that's okay. It's a recommendation, very mildly, but um, I would say give it a chance. Give it a shot. I saw that on Paramount+. Plus. Like, I think it was in theaters for a while. It actually seemed to do, from what I can remember, do okay. And so now it's on streaming, so maybe check it out there. All right, so hey, that's another episode of Film Streak, and uh, I hope you check out some of those films if you like. Um, some of them, I'm sorry, I wish I could say better things or, or have better opinions about them, but it is what it is, right? So hey, if you want to catch some other episodes, you go to filmstreak.com. You can subscribe there with the podcast things. You can subscribe to get the new episode by email, so you don't even have to go chase it down. It comes straight to you, right? Uh, like I mentioned before, there's the list on IMDb. I've got all these films in a list there, so you can use that to rate them, add them to your list. You can, um, uh, what, what what am I trying to say? You can see if they're available to watch somewhere, if they're streaming, or even get tickets. Some of these movies are still in theaters, so maybe that's an easy way for you to do that. And tell me what you think. If you have any thoughts about these films, maybe I'm wrong. Send an email to comments at filmstreak.com or go to filmstreak.com there find this episode and leave a comment there so hey look um summer's here stay cool go watch some new movies mm-hmm.